Producer Steve here for the regular Joe Show. Self-defense is a lot more than just open or concealed carry. Join my friends at ArmorUpfitters.com and use code REGULARJOE to get your 10% discount today. Please visit ArmorUpfitters.com and use code REGULARJOE to get your 10% discount today. Founded by U.S. Marine combat veteran Billy Gibbons, based in Belleville, Texas, Armor Upfitter manufactures bulletproof shields, curtains, and other ballistic protections to keep you and your loved ones safe should you find yourself in an active shooter situation. Some of their products, the superhero, the super light wall art in the style of Captain America, that level three protection made in America, only making a hundred after they're gone, they're gone. The bullet and blast resist curtains. These are lightweight, custom, and made to order just for you. The bulletproof Photo Shield. What looks like a simple picture hanging on the wall is actually a level 3 plus protective shield. Multi-hit ballistic nanotechnology. It is art that can literally save your life. So please join me and the team here from the regular Joe show and please go to armorupfitters.com. Use code regular Joe to get your 10% discount today. Hello there and welcome and a happy Thursday to all. Joe Giganti, your regular Joe with you. You can be a part of the conversation. 888-737-1737-888-737-1737 is the number to call. Or you can text that number as well. 888-737-1737. Emails may be sent and shall be read when received at Joe at regjoeshow.com, joe at regjoeshow.com. So much to get into, so let's dig into it here. Uh, First and foremost, the big breaking news yesterday was, of course, Mitch McConnell announcing his departure. And he he has seen the light, if you will. Uh, And by that, I mean you might be seeing, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel uh, based on the the timber of his voice and the timing of his voice, one one might wonder. Uh, so we'll talk about his departure. What does it mean? To me, the biggest question is, who do you think should replace him as the majority leader? If you could wave a wand or tell all the Republican caucus members how to vote in terms of who should be the Republican leader uh, in the Senate caucus, whether it's in the minority or majority, hopefully post-November, it will be a strong conservative majority. Who would it be? J.D. Vance? Uh, do you think it should be Rick Scott? Do you think it should be Ron Johnson? Do you do you want it to be Rand Paul? Or do you want kind of the same old, same old John Cornyn? Barrasso's thrown his name out there already. John Thune, of course, uh, being another possibility. Who would you like to see as the next leader of the Republican caucus in the United States Senate. Now, of course, this comes days after John Thune endorsed Donald Trump, uh, which some have tried to make the connection that, you know, Thune knew what was coming, and so he basically knew what side of the uh, the, the bread was going to be buttered, and this is why he went out and endorsed Trump, because he knew that he was going to be losing the turtle, uh, that marble mouth would be heading out the door, possibly, 
Uh, there are those that are saying this is part of the overall assault of the mega Republicans to take over the Republican Party, perhaps. I mean, I think it's just the fact that the guy is, you know, a little bit older than, than you know, dirt. And, and he obviously is not fit to be in the role that he's currently in. I mean, he's demonstrated that in a number of ways. But what is your, if you could pick that person, uh, or, you know, I mean, now I know there's, for example, Carrie Lake is running for Senate. She would not be a wise, as much I like Carrie Lake, but as a freshman senator, I don't know that you want somebody that literally just got there to be the majority leader. I mean, she could be in, in some form of leadership, but who would you pick? <clears throat> I mean, I'd like her to get a few years under her belt first. Now, as to the big announcement itself, here's Mitch McConnell. We talked about this. I had a video yesterday that we released on social media. The news broke literally right as the show was finishing, uh, so we wanted to jump on it. But here he is explaining his decision in Cut 16. I turned 82 last week. <clears throat> the end of my contributions are closer than I'd prefer. My career in the United States Senate began amidst the Reagan Revolution. The truth is, when I got here, I was just happy if anybody remembered my name. <laughs> President Reagan called me Mitch O'Donnell. Close enough, I thought. My life, my wife Elaine and I got married on President Reagan's birthday, February 6th. It's probably not the most romantic thing to admit, but Reagan meant a lot to both of us. It, it's hard to tell. Uh, but look, I mean, this is the legacy, right? You've got to start establishing the legacy he came into the Senate in 1985 after the 84 midterm elections, which, of course, Reagan trounced in. So this is how you do it. It's how you rehabilitate. And it may not be the most romantic. I mean, 82, he doesn't sound a day over 102 the way he was talking. I mean, thankfully for him, he didn't freeze in the middle of this moment. Now, he did go on to say that he has clarity about these things, and that's, that's what matters the most. So as I've been thinking about when I would deliver some news to the Senate, I always imagined a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work. A moment when I'm certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe. That day arrived today of which I'm certain that it is he is certain his time in the light is short now he I almost got poetic downright religious at one point highway. he threw in a little bit of a quote from the bible talking about his talent talking about all these things it's kind of a long-winded one but I here you go here's Mitch trying to make the sales pitch cut 18 I have the honor of representing Kentucky in the Senate longer than anyone else in our state's history. Don't brag. I just never could have imagined, never could have imagined that happening when I arrived here in 1984 at 42. I'm filled with heartfelt gratitude and humility 
for the opportunity. But now it's 2024. I'm now 82. You mentioned that. If Ecclesiastes tells us to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To serve Kentucky in the Senate has been the honor of my life. To lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. But one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. Well, you know, that is true, and I think you demonstrated it because I like that he's like, I'm 82, I've been here 40 years, but I have the talent to know when not to stay too long. I, I hate to break the news to you. you, you didn't master the talent. You've been there too long. Now, one of my great complaints, and I posted about this in the video and subsequent posts on social media, is this need to lionize Mitch McConnell. And that's not just Mitch McConnell. Every, I mean, whether it's a senator that dies, doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they did or didn't do well or badly. There's this almost compulsory need to lionize these people, and I don't get it. I mean, when Diane Feinstein died, you'd have thought she was the second coming of Jesus. She was not a good person. She did not do good things as a United States senator. And for Mitch McConnell, I mean, I listened to what, what amounts to journalistic fellatio yesterday, and it was disgusting. And all these people, well, you know, I mean, he was the master of the game, and nobody politicked better. He even talks about he's really good at politics. And I mean, you want a certain skill set in it. But okay, so he he stopped Merrick Garland. Good, I'll get, you know. But, but let's also look at the why. Don't forget that he's one of the people that also tried to foist Harriet Myers on us. Remember Harriet Myers? He was all in on Harriet Myers. Harriet Myers would have been a disaster on the Supreme Court of the United States. And he was all in on it. Well, but he helped to get three of Donald Trump's nominees to the Supreme Court. Okay, so this is like saying, you know, that guy is the greatest police officer because he issued speeding tickets. It's part of his job. He's the head of the Senate when we had a majority in the Senate, and you're telling me we, have to, we, we can't get a constitutional nominee through the Senate? I mean, let's not, again, I, I get it. I lived in Washington. I was front row seats for a lot of these things that went on throughout the years. Not always easy, but these were not Herculean tasks that he did when it came to the three nominees for Donald Trump. I'll give him some level of credit on Merrick Garland, but I will also tell you that it was politically opportunistic for him. He would have been destroyed if he had let Merrick Garland get on the Supreme Court, and he knew it. He knew the pressure that was on him, and first and foremost, he wanted to maintain his influence and power, which is number one on the list for all professional politicians. So his was an act of self-preservation. Now, again, I'll give a little bit of credit, but I'm also not going to... I'm not going to put lipstick on the pig and pretend like, oh, he's just stalwart. And this idea that he represented Reagan Republicanism, maybe back in 1984, 
But I also lived through the, the Ronald Reagan years. I was there just like they were. I haven't forgotten as much as they've forgotten when it comes to who Ronald Reagan was and how he carried himself and what he believed and what he wasn't willing to compromise on. The only You would think, based on how they pretend that they are the, the legacy bearers of Ronald Reagan, that all the guy ever did was compromise on everything. He made some compromises. Some were very, very bad, including infamously his compromise on amnesty, which was a terrible compromise by, by Ronald Reagan. So, again, let's not, let's not try to rewrite things the way they were. Now, it gets you all excited, right? He's like, well, the sunset is here. Now the end is close. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's going to be gone. Well, not as fast as you think. This will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job. My colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November, and they take the helm next January. I'll finish the job the people of Kentucky hired me to do as well, albeit from a different seat. And I'm actually looking forward to that. Well, that's good. He's looking forward to staying there till 2027. I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think he will. I think he'll stay to the end of November, like I said, which is a good thing from the point of view that it'll make it near impossible for him to try to blame anyone but himself if we don't actually win back the Senate. Because after all, as the leader, he has a vital role in making it happen. Then came, well, kind of a moment of honesty that I, I rather thought was, well, frank, honest, and surprising. But Father Time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back, hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership. There's no question. Father Time is always victorious. I'm glad Mitch is admitting it. I think that goes more to more to anything. I mean, yes, they have their differences, he and Donald Trump. I would side with Donald Trump on those, but I think there's there's a faith they tried to sell this yesterday. It had nothing to do with the freezing incidents. It had nothing to do with his declining health. Not not buying it. I just I'm gonna be honest. I'm not buying it. I think it has everything to do with that. I think it has everything to do with the fact that he knows that his failure as leader means he's done. He's just getting ahead of the curve before they vote him out. Better to step down now, well in advance of when he's actually stepping down, to clear the decks and make it seem like he made the decision. Kind of like when you get fired, but they say, well, we'll accept your resignation, right? That's what it comes down to. But look, he wants you to know he's not going to go quietly in the night either, though. I still have enough gas in my tank to thoroughly disappoint my critics. And I intend to do so with all the enthusiasm with which they become accustomed. Well, there you have it. He's promising to continue to be a burr in the saddle of conservatism. Doesn't it make you feel good? Doesn't it make you think that it's wonderful? Now, my daddy used to say, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. Well, in reaction to this news, one of his close friends said this. Steph down. We, he and I have trusted him. We've had a great relationship. We've tried to like hell. 
but he had never, never, never misrepresented anything. I'm sorry to hear that. So, of course, that was that was once again the terribly mic'd Joe Biden saying, I'm sorry to see McConnell step down. He and I, I trusted him. We've had a great relationship. We fight like hell, but he's never, never misrepresented anything. I'm sorry to see him stepping down. Yes, when the Democrats are very de- de- desperately and sad to see him leave, I think that's just confirmation. It's overdue. The regular Joe radio show.